Welcome to a life-changing message by Darius Johnston, Senior Pastor of Christ Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Genie in the bottle sort of thing. What would you like to dream about? Maybe for you, for your family, for a loved one, for a good friend. What would be your dream for 2018? That goal, maybe it's way out there. Now, are you ready for me to tell you something today? Whatever you just dreamed of, whatever you were hoping for, God can do more. That's a pretty good thought, isn't it? Some of you that dream for maybe a relationship to be restored, maybe a financial issue to be met, maybe a physical issue to be healed, maybe whatever, a new job, a new home, whatever, whatever you dreamed of, God is able to do more. You say, well, pastor, why do you say that? Well, because the Bible says that. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. It's an awesome text. But in order to understand that text, I want to look with you at the context of that verse. So we're going to back up in Ephesians chapter 3 to verse 14, and we're going to study there just a moment as we walk through this. Okay, are you ready? The Apostle Paul is writing to some New Testament believers in the city of Ephesus, and this is how he starts. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, what's significant about that? Here's what's significant. This is actually one of the few places in the Bible where it equates kneeling with prayer. Now, in our culture today, we often think about that when we think about prayer, we picture someone kneeling. In fact, for Christmas, I got this beautiful sculpture of a man kneeling at a chair with a scripture on it. It's, it's incredible. I look at it regularly. It's beautiful as a reminder to pray. And, and this, so in our culture, we, we, we think about kneeling to prayer. But in the Bible, there's really no set standard of what your position should be when you pray. We've kind of adopted the kneeling thing. But this is one of the few times that it talks about that. I kneel before the Father. And then he tells us something more. Look at the next phrase. And he says, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In other words, what he's saying is, you and I, everyone on earth, actually gets our life from God. It's a good thought. So Paul's reminding us, I'm going to God who's got it all. And then the next verse, Paul says, this is what I pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's the NIV translation. Now, I think from the original, they missed it just a little. Because the original actually connotates this. Not out of God's riches, but according to God's riches. Now, what's the big difference, Darius? Well, let me just explain it to you, okay? Uh, let's say that the Lord just puts it on my heart to bless somebody. Okay? I'll take my friend Mason sitting on the front row here. And the Lord says, Darius, I want you to just bless Mason 
according to your riches. Well, according to my riches, a generous gift to Mason would be if I gave him a hundred bucks. Would that sound good for you? Okay. Now, somebody else in the room, God may speak to you and say, well, I want you to bless Mason. And for you, according to your riches, a hundred bucks isn't much. So you would need to give him a thousand. We're starting to rock now, aren't we? And there's even a few of you in the room that $1,000 wouldn't be much. According to your riches, you could give him $10,000. Mason's now having revival. And the rest of you are looking around the room to see who that one is. According to your riches. And so Paul says, I'm praying that according to God's glorious riches. Oh, come on. What does God have? The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Texas definition, he also owns the oil under them. Okay? God owns it all. So according to God's riches, Paul says, I want him to give you this. What does he want us to give? Here it is. He may strengthen you with power. See, when I pause, that means you're supposed to throw the next word in. I pray that out of his glories, or according to his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Oh, that sounds so awesome. He may strengthen you with power. That's our word for the day. Through his spirit. Okay? So I'm not talking about human power today. I'm not talking about intellectual power, physical power. I'm not talking about your network of friends or your net worth. I'm talking about a supernatural unlimited, not timed power of the Spirit of God. So he says, I pray that God, out of his, according to his glorious riches, may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Why? The next phrase says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How, how do we have Christ dwelling in us? We become a part of the family of God, not because of our good works or our good looks. Come on, some of you ought to be really glad. Yeah. It's not because of our intellect or how many scriptures we memorize or how many times we go to church or, or filling out a card. We become a part of the body of Jesus Christ through faith. Christ comes to dwell in our hearts. That's what Paul is praying that God, through his glorious riches, according to his glorious riches, will fill you with power of his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. What's the next phrase? May that you may have power through, together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love, love of Christ. Here we go. So all of a sudden, Paul's talking about praying that you have power. Now Paul says, I want you to have that power so that you can grasp the love of God. And go on, he says. Next phrase. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Oh, hold it. Are you ready for this one? This one's good. Knowing God's love 
is better than being smart. Now, God's not against intellect. God's not against education. But God says, you know what? You need to take that power, and you need to make certain that you understand the love of God. Because if all you got is the power of God, you can get on an ego trip. But if you understand the love of God, then you realize the power of God in my life is so that I can express the love of God. It's pretty good stuff. And when you know the love of God, then you will be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to fill me with his fullness. And then we get to the verse that's our text for the day. With that as the background, he now says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. You know what immeasurably means? It means you can't measure it. I got to have it really simple, okay? That's what it means. It means you don't have a ruler that big. You don't have a tape measure that big. Your calculator doesn't calculate that high. Your math did not teach you how to measure the enormous ability and power of God. Whatever you have dreamed, whatever goal you wrote down, it's not as big as God. It's good stuff. God is, has an immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. You say, well, I don't want to ask God for that. That's just really big. How big is God? Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. What do you want God to do? He can do immeasurably more. Oh, but here's the key phrase. He does it according to. Uh-oh. So there's a limit factor. God's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to. According to what? His power that is at work within us. Uh-oh. Where's the bottleneck on the power of God in my life? Why is God not answering my prayers about my finances and my other things and this thing and this relationship and that relationship, this job and that job, this person, that person? Where, why am I not seeing that immeasurably more power working in my life? Here's the answer. Because it's according to my ability to release that power. Years ago, when I memorized this verse of Scripture and I started making this a part of my daily communication with God in my prayer time, I said, God, I thank you today that you are the God who's able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. And you do that according to your power that is at work within me. So Holy Spirit, would you teach me how to release God's power? It's in there. For some of you today, God's power is within you, but it's kind of stagnant and stale. It's not being used because you haven't learned how to release it. So here's my prayer for you, okay? That by the time we're finished this morning, some of you are going to be able to experience the power of God in a brand new way. So I want you, as we start today, I want you to whisper a prayer with me, okay? Follow me in this. Close your eyes. Here we go. Just you, me, and God. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, today... I ask you to teach me how to release your power that is in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Oh, that good. Now, God's getting ready to answer that prayer. He's already started. I'm going to give you three thoughts this morning about how to release God's power within our lives. Okay? The first one, they're all kind of simple, 
but I think they're pretty profound. Sometimes the simple things are the profound things, right? A few years ago, <clears throat> I, uh, one morning I remember I, I wanted toast. We have this beautiful toaster that sits in our kitchen on the counter. It takes four pieces of toast, and, and I'm getting dressed. And I think, you know, I think I'll make myself some toast. I can take it and eat it on the way. And uh, I love toast with honey. And so I checked. We had some honey. We had some bread. So I put the toast in the toaster. I found the little knob. I turned the knob up. I like my toast really toasty, okay? I'm not one of those like light brown. If I go out for breakfast, it's like, you know, get it close to burnt, you know, close to a crouton. Not quite there, but I mean, I like, I like this baby brown, bordering on black, you know, really crunchy. And so I turn, I crank that little thing up, put my two-piece bread in, turn it down, go back to the room, finish getting dressed. I come out, grab my honey, I'm going to grab my toast, and it ain't there. I look at the toaster, the bread's still down. Never popped up. I'm looking around the toaster. All the parts are there, the cord's there. Anybody want to guess what the problem was? You guys are so smart. Number one problem, why, why electronics don't work, you don't plug them in. It looked real good. All the parts were there, but there was no power. Okay, so here's my first way. To, how, do, how do I release God's power in my life? First thing, plug in. Plug in. Plug in. I told you this is not going to be too difficult here. You've got to plug in. You've got to plug into God. You can walk through life. You can go to church. You can memorize scriptures. You can sing the songs, and you still haven't really plugged in to the power of God in your life. Now, the Bible talks about a really three-step process. It's kind of simple. First step of the process is to confess, repent, and then believe. Confess, repent, believe. Confess, repent, believe. There we go. We're going to try this again. Confess. Okay, that's good. You guys are getting this. So let's, let's start with the first one over here. What does it mean to confess? I, I grew up loving shows on TV about lawyers. Anybody else love those? Still like them occasionally? Like suits now? Okay, I like lawyers. The, the old guy that started it was Perry Mason. Anybody remember Perry Mason? Shows you what generation you're of. They still show the replays. I know, you got it. Perry Mason, it was, you know, the characters would change, the plot would change, but the basic premise was always the same. About the last five minutes, they were in a courtroom. Perry's grilling somebody. And the organ starts playing in the background, and the camera starts going around and getting real close headshots of all the possibilities. <laughs> and you're sitting there with whoever you're watching it with, and you're going like, oh, she looks guilty. <laughs> Look, she's got sweat right up there. I think it's her. And then they go to the next person. Oh, maybe it's him. Oh, maybe. And, and, and right at the climax, organ hits the top, and somebody goes, I confess. Now, what are they doing? For 58 minutes, they've been lying. Every show, somewhere between 57 and 58 minutes, they've been lying. Take out the commercials, it's 47, okay? But now, they agree with the truth. The truth comes out. That's what confession is. Confession in a spiritual sense, is when I say to God, God, I'm a sinner. Yeah. 
I can't save myself. I messed up. I've blown it. I let sin get in my life. I'm wrong. I confess. But that's not enough. You're only getting started. Confession leads me to repentance. What is repentance? Repentance, the word literally means to turn around or to think different after. To turn around or to think different after. In other words, now that I realize I'm a sinner, I've got to think different. I've got to turn around, stop doing it. Confession without repentance just shows you you're bad. Well, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. I'm just going to keep telling I'm bad. Well, that's a depressing way to live. No wonder there's no power in your life. I'm a sinner. Can't save myself. I'm going to return from my sin, and then I'm going to believe. What am I going to believe? I'm going to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for my sin. He rose from the dead victorious, so I can now live victorious over sin. Come on. This is good news. You know what happens? When I begin to confess, repent, and believe, I plug into the power of God. Christ begins to dwell in my heart. The Holy Spirit, the power of God is in me now. Now, just a little sideline. Some of you plugged into God 20 years ago, but your cord's got a few shorts in it. Because you got some stuff that's going on in here. Known sin in your life can short out the cord. Oh, but I've got the card when I accepted Jesus. I got the card when I was baptized. I'm good. Well, there's no power flowing through your life. You may want to check the cord. Maybe some stuff God says, let's, let's get this out so the connection doesn't have any shorts. Oh, this is good stuff. First thing we're going to do is make sure we're plugged in. Make sure the power is flowing, okay? Once I make sure that I'm plugged into God, God's living inside of me, I'm now a part of the family of God, then here comes the second step, and that is we need to learn to communicate with God. And what is that? That's called prayer. Everybody say prayer. 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 It's not something you just do over your food. It's not something you just do at night before you go down to bed, you know. No, Lord, and I pray the Lord my soul, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You know, you sit down over the food, rub a dub dub, bless this grub as goes in my tub, yay, Lord. <laughs> you know. God here, there, bless it. Okay, no. There's more to prayer than that. Okay. 34 years ago, on December the 9th, 1983, Crossville, Tennessee, Calvary Temple, I stood at the front of the auditorium. I watched a beautiful lady in a white dress named Cindy Brock walk down to the altar. We turned around. We faced her dad and my dad. They both had to be there to make sure we did it right. These two men of God asked us a bunch of questions. We said, I do, I do, yes, 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 yes. They pronounced us husband and wife, and we were married. But you know what? You know what had to follow that? We thought we were in love. 34 years later, we look back and realize we didn't even understand what it was. Because you don't really understand love until you go through a few things. Hello? And when you go through a few things, what do you do? You learn how to communicate with each other. 
You thought you communicated early on, but boy, there's a whole depth of communication you haven't had yet until some things happen. I'm going to tell you what, you know, you, it's not going to work, dude, if you say, well, you know what, I told her I loved her the day we got married, and I decided if it ever changes, I'll let her know. That's all the conversation we're going to have. No, sir. Let me tell you what, if some of you didn't talk to your spouse any more than you talk to God, you wouldn't have a marriage. Zinger right in there, got that one. You're saying, well, praise God, I'm saved and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, when was the last time you really had a conversation with God? Oh. See, that's what prayer is. Prayer is learning to have a conversation with the God who you now say is in charge of your life. And that's not something we just do at church or in our connection group. That's something we learn to do on a daily basis. And I think there needs to be three parts to your prayer time. And I'm not saying how long it is. That's between you and God. But I think these three elements need to be in there. Praise, petition, and intercession. And let me unpack that for you, okay? Praise. What does praise look like in our life? Praise is when we thank God for who he is and what he's done. Praise. You, you, when we start our services, we have this time of praise and worship where they lead us in songs of worship. What are they doing? They're praising God because praise creates an atmosphere of faith. So we'll say, well, why do I have to take time to thank God for who he is and what he's done? Has God got some ego problem? No, it, it's not building up God's ego. It's reminding me of who he is. Okay, I, I grew up in a lot of little churches. My dad was a bivocational pastor, church planter. And on Sunday evenings when we had church, uh, we always had testimony time. Anybody remember going to a church where they had testimony time? It was a little scary, especially for the pastor, because you never knew what somebody was going to say. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Except for a couple of ladies I always knew when she stood up was going to hear the same story we've heard for the four, last 40 years. I mean, you know. Oh, my goodness. And then there was always one that would stand up and say, y'all just pray for me. I've been suffering. The devil's been after me all week long. Bless his holy name. Y'all pray I can hold out to the end. And sometimes it got depressing. It's like, wow, no faith building that. And so last Wednesday night, we, we started these saturation services, these prayer services that we felt like God wanted us to start. So we're having corporate prayer every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock back in the small auditorium. We open at 6.30 so that people can come and prepare your hearts personally as we have a personal prayer time. At 7, it becomes a corporate prayer time from 7 to 8, and then we have an anointing time after that for anyone who wants personal prayer. It's a powerful, powerful deal. So last Wednesday was our first one for this year, and we're, we're doing them for the next two weeks. And after, at 7 o'clock when we opened, I felt like the Lord wanted us to just start with a time of testimony, but I call it, because of my old school days, I change it so I don't remember those things. I say, I want us to take a few moments and brag on God. Just brag on God. And I said, this is the start of a new year. I want to brag on God. I want somebody to brag on what God did for you last year. Not five, ten years ago. What did God do for you last year? And it was awesome. For like the next 10, 15 minutes, different people would raise their hands and I would call them and they'd say, Pastor, God, I had this physical problem and God, and people prayed for me and God healed me. Another guy over here, God gave him a new job. Another person over here, God healed a relationship. A lady over on this side raised her hand, 
called on her and she started sharing how that she had family members who had not been followers of Christ and they had all kinds of mess in their life. And last year, God brought a revival into her family. Three of her adult family members became followers of Christ and one of them has gone to Bible school. All right? I mean, she's sharing that story and we're all going like, yeah, this is awesome. What happens when you brag on God? Faith begins to rise. And so I, said, I told Sylvia, I says, hey, I said, hold on just a moment. Don't go down. And I said, I bet some of the rest of you in the room have a family member or a loved one who's not a follower of Christ you'd like to pray for so that next year at this time, you could stand here and talk about them. If that's you, just stand up. We're going to pray for them. Like everybody in the room stood up. You know why? Because after listening to her testimony, you start to believe that God really could save Uncle Harry. You had given up on him, but all of a sudden you hear that story and you go, maybe if God could do it for him and her, God could do it for my family. See, that's what praise does. And then I told her, I says, now, since it happened for your family, I want you to lead the prayer for all these. She starts praying, oh my goodness, we have revival. Why? Because when you praise God, your faith gets built. That's why we praise God. That's why we start our services with a time of praise. We want your faith to be built so you can be ready to experience the power of God. So in prayer, we start out with praise, thanking God for who he is and what he's done. Jesus taught his disciples. When you go to prayer, start out with saying, my Father which art in heaven, or our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Praising God. And then he says, the next part is, you can ask, give us this day our daily bread. What do you need? Your petition. Let me just help you out, okay? It's okay to ask God for help. Some people say, well, you know, I, I'm not exactly perfect. I got a little baggage in my background. I'm not as spiritual as some of those other people, so, you know. Hey, God says in James chapter 4, you have not because you ask not. I, for years, I've thought of it this way. I just, I'm simple, right? You know what I think of? I don't want to get to heaven someday, and there's this big warehouse of, with my name on it of all the stuff I never asked for. <laughs> Why get to heaven? And God says, you know, the angels were ready. They were ready to bring it. You never ask. I want an empty warehouse. Come on. Petition. It's okay. Ask God. What do you need? What do you need today? Praise God. Petition God. Here's number three. Intercession. What, what's intercession? Intercession, in my, uh, in my way of looking at it, is, is when I start praying for other people and other issues. I, on my, my personal prayer list, I have, uh, I looked at it Friday, there, there's 112 things that I have there. I don't pray for them every day, but somewhere during the week, I make certain that I pray for all those 112. Some of them are missionaries. One of the prayer needs that I've got on there is uh, I'm praying over the continent of Africa. There are 867 unreached people groups on the continent of Africa. People groups, entire communities of language people who have no witness yet of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Totally closed to traditional missionary methods. I'm interceding. I'm asking God, God, would you show us? Would you release the creativity, the
the resources and the people to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those areas that are closed. I, there's a community I've been, has been on my list for over three years now, not far from here, that I, I, I drive through it. Every time I drive through it, I pray over that community. It's on my prayer list. I've been interceding on that community because I feel like God wants us to plant a church in that community. I don't know how it's going to happen. I pray, God, we're going to have to have some creativity and we're going to have to have some resources and you're going to have to show us how to do it. Those are, those are some of my intercession things. Here, here's, here's what I have found. This is my personal prayer life. There's this principle in the kingdom of God, when you give, you receive. We understand that. We, 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 we often hear that when it's time to receive the morning tithe and offerings, right? If you give, you're going to receive. But I think it's a whole lot more than money. When you give encouragement, other people start encouraging you. When you give love, other people start giving love back to you. Let me tell you, when you begin to pray and intercede for other people, I think spiritually you release God to come over here and work on those needs that you've got. Oh, in phenomenal ways, let me tell you. Now, before I move off this point, let me just say there, there's an issue here. Sometimes, and some of those things I've got on my intercession list, I don't know how to pray. I'm not sure. Anybody else have that problem? Oh, you know, there's something there, but you don't know how to pray about it. I got a great passage of scripture for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. This is what it says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, how we, how we should pray, or ought, how we ought to pray, he says, this is what happens. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. Now, when you, when you study that phrase right there, I believe that what Paul is talking about there is the prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us when we invite the Holy Spirit to live in us. I believe Praying in tongues or praying in a prayer language is not just reserved for super saints. I believe it's available for every Tom, Dick, Harry, Mary, Susie, whoever you are. And I believe when I study the writings of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, I believe the primary purpose for tongues is not as a badge of spirituality. I believe the primary purpose of tongues is for a personal prayer time with God. And I'm going to tell you, it takes your prayer life to a whole new level when you say, God, would you just direct my words and empower me to pray your will? Sometimes you do that in your natural language. Sometimes you do that in the spirit language that God gives to you. It's a gift. God gives it to you. I'll just give you a quick illustration from today. Uh, last week, I mentioned that I've, I've been having struggles with a back issue. The, down in my L1, 2, and 3, they've got, I've got some issues that came out. Uh, and so the doctors are trying to treat it and trying to help me. And uh, it's kind of a roller coaster. There are some days when it's really good, and there are some days when it's like, oh, my goodness. You just, you just want to kick yourself. And today was one of those down days. I mean, I got up this morning. And I get on the floor every morning and I start doing all these exercises they've given me to do to try to stretch everything out so I can move. And I, I, I'm getting dressed to get here. And it, it's really bad when you're only 61 and all of a sudden you, you have to like lean against something to put your pants on because it hurts so bad. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, I, I mean, so by the time I got to church this morning, 
I was just in pain and I was hurting. And uh, we, we, the pastors all have a prayer time together. And then after that, at 8.30 every Sunday morning, I have some intercessors, people in the church who just volunteered to come and pray over me on Sunday mornings. And, and, and that's open if you would like to do that. If you'll write me a note on the little tear-off and drop in the offering, we'll contact you and we'll put you on the schedule. We'd, we'd love to have you come. So I had four individuals this morning, one man and three ladies who were my intercessory team today because we rotate. And so when, when they came in this morning, I said, hey, I, I brought some anointing oil. And I told them what was going on in my back. And I said, I really need, it's just a distraction, right? It, it, when, when you're hurting someplace, it just distracts you. And I said, I, I, I don't need this today. I need God to touch me. And I said, I, I believe God can do that through you guys. And so they took the anointing oil. I knelt down. They anointed me and laid hands on me and they just began to pray in the spirit and as they began to pray in their prayer language over me I'm going to tell you the presence of God began to fill that office and after they prayed for a little while in the spirit some of them began to just speak words into my body and I felt the Holy Spirit come into that room and touch my body and give me a freedom of the power of God that these four individuals just simply released into me through their prayers and it was an awesome moment you don't have to have a worship team or a bunch of folks around you all you have to have is somebody who knows how to release the power of God that is already within them okay and my prayer this morning some of you have gathered in this service even some of you watching me today online you, you, you need to experience that power. You need to experience someone else praying over you. And we're going to allow that to, have, uh, to operate here in a few moments on the sides. Our team in a few moments are going to come down. And we're going to give you an opportunity to experience that power of God being released for you. And I'm praying God's going to let you see what that's like. It's going to be a great day. What? So here's my, here's my deal. How do we release that? We get plugged in. We make sure we're plugged in. We, we, we learn how to pray. And then here's the third thought, and this one's going to be a little strange for some of you. I, you can jot down the word prophesy. Prophesy. We, 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 we simply prophesy. Now, the word prophesy sometimes can be confusing because some people think, okay, that's like the prophets of old in the Old Testament but there's a difference between a prophetic word and a prophecy. Let me explain it to you. A prophetic word is a word that God gives predicting the future. A prophecy is a proclamation of God's word. A proclamation of God's word. I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, God has this guy named Ezekiel. He gets the book named after him. And, and God is teaching Ezekiel how to prophesy. And he takes Ezekiel out in the spirit and he shows him this desert, that, the valley that's full of dead bones. In other words, it's like a graveyard thing. And God asks Ezekiel this question. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Well, oh, that's a loaded question. Think about it a moment. Ezekiel, can these bones live? And you say, well, sure they can. And God says, well, that's kind of presumptuous of you. You're going to do it? And then if you say, well, well, no, they can't. God, they're dead. Then where's your faith? So I love Ezekiel's answer. This is a good answer. Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. 
Sometimes people ask you a question or you feel like, you know, and, and you just don't know the answer and you try to make something up so you sound good. The better thing to do is say, God knows. God knows. I, I don't know this. God knows. God, you know. And then God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, speak to the bones and tell the bones to come together. Now, imagine you're Ezekiel. Speak to the bones and tell them to come together. Okay. They're, they're dead, God. Yeah, they're dead. But speak to them. Prophesy to the bones. The Bible says, Ezekiel said, bones. God says, come together. And the bones begin to move. God says, now prophesy to the wind. Wind, come. Wind. God says, come. Woo, here comes the wind. Prophesy again. He's crossing. The bones begin to have muscles and flesh and tendons. And the wind comes and breathes life into them. And that which was dead comes alive. And what did, he, what did Ezekiel do? He just proclaimed the word of God. You ready for this? What would happen if God said, hey, speak to your marriage? Oh, but God, my marriage is dead. Speak to your marriage, my word. Speak to your body. Speak to your children. Speak to your grandchildren. Speak over your finances. God started teaching me this years ago when our boys were just little. And man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I still remember Cindy gave birth to our firstborn son and they put him in my hands and I'm thinking, my goodness, where's the manual for this? I'm just going to tell you that for those of you who have never had a child, having that first child is like, they're going to trust us to leave with this? What do we do? It's overwhelming. And even from when our boys were just infants, we, would, we had a, a, a little family ritual. We, we would have prayer before they would go to bed at night. And I began to pray over my boys. And I can tell you to this day still what I pray. Say, God, I thank you for Brock and Brendan, that the gift they are to our lives. And God, I thank you that Brock and Brendan are growing to be mighty men of God. Why do I say that? Because God created them. God didn't create them to be addicts. God didn't create them to be losers or failures. God created them to be mighty men of God. Come on. So that's what the Word says. God, I believe that they are becoming mighty men of God. I thank you, God, that greater is he that's within Brock and Brendan than he that's in the world. Because in 1 John chapter 4, it tells us that if you're a follower of Christ, greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. So I spoke that over my boys. I spoke over my boys. God, I thank you that Brock and Brendan, there is no weapon formed against them which shall ever prosper, for they are a part of the heritage of God. That's in the Bible. Last Friday night, we now have grandkids. It's hard. Our kids keep getting older and we don't. <laughs> Our four-year-old granddaughter, Willow, just had her birthday a few days ago. She's now four. Hard to believe. Four. Four. She, so we had a sleepover, her first sleepover with Poppy and Lula. So we're putting her to bed. I lay down beside her, put my hand over on her, and I said, God, I thank you that Willow is becoming a mighty woman of God. I thank you that greater is he that's within Willow than he that's within the world. I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against Willow shall ever prosper, for she is part of the heritage of God. 
You say, Darius, did Willow understand what you said? Probably not. But in the spirit realm, I was releasing the word of God over my child. Come on. Come on. Some of you, you've been speaking stuff that's death. You need to start speaking life. The word of God is life. Some of you need to look in the mirror and begin to declare, I thank you, God, that Darius is becoming a mighty man of God. But don't put my name, put yours. Speak that over yourself. In Isaiah, God said, when I send out my word, it shall not return void. Come on. Oh, come on. There's something. It's not just a leather-bound book. When you speak that word, you release life. In the name of Jesus. Wow. I'll close with this thought. Are you ready for this? You can't speak the word if you don't know the word. I couldn't say over Brock and Brendan, God, I thank you that they are becoming the best soccer players in the world. I can say that, but it hasn't got any power. Why does it not have any power? Because there's nothing to back it up. I don't have any scripture that tells me they can become the greatest soccer players in the world. But I do have scripture that tells me great is he that's in them than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against them shall ever prosper. I can say that over them. Come on. You can say that over yourself. You can say that over your circumstances, over your marriage, over your finances, over your physical body. You can declare God's word. I want you to stand with me all over this room. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come on down to help me out. We believe in prayer here at Christ Church. We believe in there's, there's power of God that's released through prayer. James tells us that we're supposed to pray when we have trouble. And I believe God wants you today to experience God's power and God's presence in your life. Some of you this morning, you walked into this room and you're not plugged into God. You walked into this room today and you have never really surrendered your life to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, before you walk out of this room, you need to come up to one of the prayer partners and say, today, I want to get plugged into God. Others of you, you've walked into this room today, you've got problems financially, relationally, physically. You've got problems in your life that you don't know how to handle or what to do with. God says, here's my answer. You should pray. You should pray. So in a moment, our prayer teams are available, and they're going to begin to release God's power for you today. You make that choice. You can either come down and receive prayer, or you can walk out the same way you walked in. My prayer is you start this year with the power of God working in your life. So, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray over our prayer teams. I pray an anointing of the Holy Spirit to be over them today. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would give them gifts of words of knowledge and words of wisdom, gifts of faith and of miracles. I pray that you'll give them the gift of discernment as they minister to this body today. And Lord, I pray over this congregation, men and women, young men and young ladies today, I come against every spirit that would separate them from your will, your plans, and your purposes. I bind every sin, every addiction. I bind every failure of the past. And Holy Spirit, I ask you today that you would give them the courage to receive the power of God in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you for joining us for another inspirational message. We hope you've enjoyed listening. For more information about Christ Church Fort Worth, please visit www.christchurchfw.com.